everybody, Grussell here. Thanks so much for checking out this paralogue, which by now, thanks to the title you will have seen, is about Tim the Groom and what befalls him. Uh, as such, uh, if you have not listened to the end of season four, I would highly recommend doing that. Or uh, if you have listened, it might be fun to go and revisit the end of the uh, Air Parent episodes uh, where we last saw Tim. So if you uh, if you have not listened to season four, then this is going to be a wild place to pick up Tim. If you just met him in season two or his uh, next appearance in season three. Um, but uh, if you're all caught up, which you probably are, if you're listening to this paralogue, then yeah, we're going to pick Tim back up when last we saw him in season four. So uh, I hope you enjoy hearing a little bit more about Tim. Uh, thanks for your patience as we got this out. This was uh, a sudden change in the schedule after Beth got sick uh, last time we were supposed to record, so uh, I didn't really have this one completely ready, and getting it done was uh, tight in that turnaround. And then we had to record the new episodes that will come out on Wednesday, so it was a busy time over at D&D and D&D, and we appreciate your patience with us. To that end, the next few weeks are going to continue to be very busy. Uh, it is the peak time of year for James and Chelsea over at Dead Meat, uh, and they have had a really rough go lately with that stuff on the work side of things. So uh, we are going to have a staggered schedule coming up. More announcements about it will come out uh, on the Twitter uh, at D&D and Pod, as well as on Wednesday's episode, I'll talk more about what the schedule is going to be once it uh, becomes clearer now that we've recorded uh, the next session. So uh, through the next month, uh, through October, it's going to be not as consistent for regular episodes. There are going to be more paralogues, so I hope you enjoy what you're about to hear. Uh, and we we may have a week off, but I'm, I'm going to really try to get something out to you guys every week. Uh, whether it's a new episode uh, or a paralogue, um, either either more of Tim or we'll go back to the villain paralogues. Um, but uh, it's it's going to be not consistent with regular episodes because it's it's just a very busy time and we are we are doing our best uh, to get you something to listen to here on Wednesdays. Speaking of new episode Wednesday, if you're listening to this the day it com- came out, which it will be Sunday, weirdly. Um, New episode Wednesday, and then we'll we'll go forward uh, from there. So, thank you so much for listening to this story. I hope you like it. I had a really good time uh, writing it. Uh, as 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 much <laughs> a struggle as it was, I still enjoyed it. I hope you will enjoy listening to it. Uh, we're going to do a couple of ads and then get into the story. So, uh, thanks everybody. Do what's fun. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tim Feathers raised the bow, aiming toward the portal, wind rushing past his ears with such force he could scarcely hear what Fletch was saying. Or maybe he just didn't want to believe it. 
Was this really the only way to close the gap? What was so important about that empty room beyond the portal? Don't point it at me. I'm going to stand over here. You're going to pull it back, and when you release it, I'm going to catch that electric arrow out of midair. Madness, thought Tim. Sheer madness. But maybe it takes a little madness to be a hero. He filed the thought away with all the other lessons from this bizarre situation. Less than an hour ago, he had been munching a stale biscuit aboard the trader ship Dorlea en route to the Oyakoto Islands. There, on its haunted shores, he hoped to make a name for himself as a traveling sword-for-hire and aspiring gumshoe. Now he stood upon a cloud, holding a magic bow, as a dragon and a god battled above him. All right, sir, I'll try. Please don't be mad at me if I hurt or kill you, Tim. I think you got this. Tim was a long, lanky lad, but Fletch stood a full hand taller still. The elf was older, too, perhaps by centuries, and had seen who knows how many battles. His armor was streaked with blood from at least three different creatures and some of his own. Yet when Tim looked into Fletch's face, he didn't see fear or worry. No, Fletch was enjoying this. All right, it's an adventure. There you go, Tim. All right. Aim. Tim drew the bow, but this magnificent weapon was unlike any mere longbow. As Tim reached for the bowstring, he found nothing but air, until suddenly a bolt of electricity zapped from one end of the bow to the other. Tim couldn't help but recoil at first, but the slightest nod of encouragement from Fletch gave him the strength to draw the bow. As he did, an arrow of brilliant, vibrating electricity materialized. Tim felt a tingling heat from the arrow shaft as it rested upon his bow hand that grew into a blinding burning within a heartbeat. He couldn't hold it, but Fletch hadn't yet given the signal. Hold! He willed as hard as he could, but the power of the bow was too great and he let go. The arrow, surging with the power of a lightning bolt, erupted from the electric string in a blink, but Fletch's hand was just as fast and his gloved fingers caught the shaft the moment it left the bow. Oh shit, Fletch said, as he took off toward the portal, clinging to the magic electric arrow. From Tim's perspective, precisely one hour, seven minutes, and twenty-four seconds before zipping Fletch into a portal... He sat aboard the mess of the Dorlea, surrounded by the high seas, tales of ghosts and curses, and the heroes of Night's Pass, Zabbis Kinlan, Flack Tansen, Juno Greenpoint, Marjorie Sticks, and of course Fletch Stormtail. Tim saw a bright future for himself in his new life. He took a bite of biscuit as Flack started a shanty and smiled. But before he could swallow, there was a loud pop and a blinding flash of light. When the flash subsided, Tim was tumbling through a purple-hued tunnel of light. Unable to make any sense of the situation, he was just grateful he wasn't falling, as Tim was terribly afraid of heights, and falling down an endless tunnel of mystery light sounded to him like a terrible nightmare. But if this wasn't a nightmare, what was happening? Tim tumbled end over end. His awkward limbs flailed wildly. It took him great effort to grab and hold onto his sword, standard-issue Talon infantry short sword gifted to him by his old boss, Horsemaster Jace, when he left Raven's Crest. Tim grabbed the hilt and tried to steady himself as best he could as he moved through space. He spun for so long he almost grew bored. After five minutes, he stopped screaming. After ten, he tried to look around to figure out what exactly was going on. Think of Maldrin, he reminded himself. Look for clues. But there was nothing rational about what he saw when he opened his eyes. The strobing purple and black light of the tunnel nearly blinded him. But when his eyes adjusted, he would have sworn there was a giant black goat running alongside him. Then, with no warning, he was no longer in the tunnel, and no longer aboard the Dorlea. He was standing atop the back of a gargantuan silver dragon, the sorcerer Zabba's Kinlan to his right, 
and across the dragon's back the evil traitor Lady Morgan Ben Batten of Castrol Manor. Battle was afoot, and his heroes needed help. He drew his sword and charged the treasonous witch. Tim, however, was no hero. Not yet, anyway. And his foolhardy bravery was rewarded with the strangest few minutes of his young life. He was flung from the dragon back, leapt across floating giant flowers, flew through the sky on bolts of lightning, and talked to what Tim could only describe as a god. He saved the hero Fletch Stormtail from a hideous tentacled cat, and used that same hero's magic bow to propel him into a yawning portal to what looked to be a cavernous, dark void. After landing through the portal, Fletch quickly scanned his surroundings and turned back to Tim. Okay, he's been here before. Tim started to understand the urgency of getting into this particular portal. This place is important somehow, and Fletch trusted Tim to help him get there. So far, the archer has treated him as a true companion. Tim, for the first time, felt the battlefield brotherhood that he heard the soldiers speak of when they returned their horses to the stables before heading to the pubs. Tim finally felt like he was part of something. Maybe not a member of the team yet, but a true ally. They were bonded by circumstance and also gross green cat blood. Overcome with a sense of camaraderie and pride after their bonkers idea worked, Tim stepped forward to follow his teammate, but his feet stopped his mind from making a grave mistake. The last few minutes in the sky battle have come with their share of falls, but for each, Tim had Fletch with him. Now they were separated by the shimmering threshold of the portal. And if Tim were to fall alone... Inching forward, Tim risked a glance down over the edge of the cloud and saw... Nothing. No ground, no mountain peaks, no birds even. Just endless sky. Tim swallowed hard and gripped the bow tightly. The bow, he thought. Then... The bow! he screamed. But the words were swallowed by an incredible clash of thunder. Behind him, the battle with Lady Balbotan raged. Light from a thousand worlds shone through a thousand portals, shimmering off the silver scales of the dragon. Nearer, a god flew through the endless sky, popping portals like a child pops a soap bubble. The bow! Fletch finally turned back from the void beyond the portal and met Tim's gaze. With a questioning shrug, Tim pointed to the bow still gripped in his left hand. He could feel the great weapon's magic surging through it with a heat and fury like a midsummer storm. With every flash of lightning from the battle behind and above them, the bow twitched with an electric life. This was the weapon of a hero. This was the weapon of wood elves from the forest deep in the Moonshadow Valley, forged hundreds of years before his great-grandfather was born, probably. His own standard-issue Talon infantry short sword hung at his belt with no stories to tell at least none that he knew. Holding the bow made him feel powerful. He was honored he got to wield such a legend for a short time. Toss it down here, bud! But the gap between cloud and portal spanned 30 yards if it was a foot, and nothing below but infinity. Nonetheless, Fletch stretched out his hand, and an encouraging grin crept across his copper face. At that moment, Tim knew that Fletch believed in him, he gave Tim the bow because he earned Fletch's trust and fought a horrid beast side by side, protecting him when he was wounded. Tim did that, and he could do this. Okay, sir, I'll try, said Tim's voice, which lacked the conviction of his thoughts. Still, Tim's arm pulled back, and summoning all his strength, he stepped into the throw. Wait! He can't step into the throw. The cloud stops. There's no ground there. Better not miss! said a deep voice at once a million miles away and screaming in his ear. Pull back, don't let go, don't slip, don't let go, catch your balance, don't... And his balance wavered, and his arms spun like windmills. 
A gust of wind surged up from below and Tim staggered. He didn't remember letting go. He didn't see it leave his hand. Just Fletch's face as his eyes followed the short arc and then rapid descent of his beloved bow. Fletch stood, feet confidently planted on the edge of a tear in reality. He looked Tim straight in the eyes, blinked twice, and sighed. Timothy. Though calm in tone, the word hit Tim's ears like a curse. Oh. Where's my bow? Uh. Tim. I'm sorry, sir. I didn't mean to. I just threw it as hard as I could. Stop talking and go after it. I really don't think that's such a good idea. I can't even see the bottom. Did you hear what I just said? There will be a cloud to catch you. I promise. All right, I I trust you. You seem to know more about this crazy place than I do. You knew about God, so stop logicking this out and jump. All right, I, I guess I'll go. Here I go. Madness, thought Tim. Sheer madness, as he jumped after the bow. Now this is definitely falling, Tim thought, or maybe screamed. He wasn't sure. All he could hear was the sound of air flying past his face so fast it hurt. He tried to spread his body to slow himself down, but then he remembered his task. Squinting through the wind, he tried to spy the bow. Up close, the Stormtail bow is art. Streaks of opalescent blue run through the wood as if nature captured and conquered lightning itself. With the head start it got on Tim, however, it may as well be a stick spinning and twisting so as to sometimes disappear from Tim's sight. His best guess for finding the bow was, unfortunately, head down and hope for the cloud that Fletch promised. The giant sky god must have heard his plea for something started to shift in the sky far below him. Tim pressed his hands to the sides, holding his standard-issue Talon Infantry short sword tight, and dove toward the new shape. Tim was getting closer, but the shape wasn't looking any more like a cloud. In fact, it looked more like a tear, a huge rip across the sky that was growing fast. And then the seam started to open. Portals were new to Tim. He had never come across one while working as a groom in the Ravencrest stables, nor had his brief trip downriver to the coast and onto the Dorlea been full of magical gateways to other places. Yet since being ripped from the ship through a portal, Tim assumes, it seems as though he had been brought to the very place from which all portals originated. Hundreds opened as he and Fletch had leapt across the floating flowers to the castle of the Sky God. And then the Sky God and Zabbos started to close them, so they must be bad, deduced aspiring Detective Tim. This was a troubling thought as the portal below him grew larger and flew closer every second. He caught sight of the Stormtail bow as the magic inlays caught the light reflecting off the shining blue sea below. Through the portal, oceans stretched out for miles in every direction, and Tim wondered if he was just above the Dorlea this whole time, though he didn't spot any vessels on the surface of the fast-approaching sea. Is this it? Was my adventure end dying at sea? The thought jogged something. Something Fletch said while they fought the cat monster. Something about dying on the boat. He said died in the past tense. Tim suddenly felt a lurch in the pit of his stomach, even though he thought he had no lurches left in him. Something about that thought disturbed him to his core. A dread so powerful overcame him. He nearly passed out and threw up at the same time. The urges fought each other until Tim and the Dorlea Biscuit became reacquainted. 
An enormous clash of thunder exploded above and behind Tim with enough force to change his course. With it came a tree trunk sized bolt of lightning sizzling across the sky towards the ocean portal below him. The lightning zipped up the portal like mending a pair of trousers, and Tim once again fell through the open sky. With a sigh of relief, Tim spun around to see what happened and caught a glimpse of the sky god, a giant if ever the term could apply to anything, grab a hold of a thunderbolt and zoom back toward the battle. On his shoulder, Tim saw Zabbis Kinlan, his blue hair and black cape billowing behind him. Zabbis saved my life, he thought, wind rushing against his back. Far above him, the dragon spun around in midair, pinned its wings against his back, and flew toward a portal Tim couldn't see. Nothing he could do about that, though. He had to get the bow. Tim turned over and saw a desolate black gray landscape dotted with tangled broken trees and jagged tooth-like rocks. Another portal had opened. Zabbis wasn't saving him this time, and Tim crossed the threshold into parts unknown. The first thing he noticed was the air. When Tim was in the sky world, despite its monsters, dragons, and athletic mishaps, the air was the freshest he had ever inhaled. Every breath was exhilarating, even as he fell to what surely would be his death. But in this new place, the air was thick and acrid. A deep breath burned his lungs, and he started coughing, doubling over and spinning through the air. Trying to regain some sense of up and down, Tim figured he had mere moments to either somehow find a way out of this or collect his final thoughts. Either way, he may as well get a better look at the place he was going to die. Squinting, he thought he could make out some kind of settlement to the east, though it could have been a rock quarry as easily as a village. There seemed to be roads, though, snaking through the rocks and a dead forest of burnt-out trees. The whole area looked as though it was ravaged by fire and disease. North of him, he saw something impact the ground with a cloud of dust. The bow! The ground was getting closer and closer. There had to be some way to slow himself down. Oh, if only he had magic. But he was just a man. No, a boy. A stupid boy dreaming of being something he's not. The rocks grew larger and pointier. He's no hero. He couldn't even toss a bow. The ground is closer now. Something below him. Sad, stupid boy. Dying, failing a quest. What is that? It's the spot you're gonna die. No, it looks like... Jelly? The impact with the surface hurt. Badly. The force knocked the air from Tim's lungs as he plied through fathoms of a gooey, viscous liquid. It stung his skin and ate away at his clothes, but Tim was still moving too fast to worry about that just yet. Slowed by whatever it was he landed in, Tim still hit with an immense force and he could feel that energy transferring into pressure around him. He carved a path through the goo like an arrow through his stag, forcing it to expand somewhere and press into him. But he kept tunneling. He was running out of air now and his vision started to dim. The burning was getting worse and so was the pressure. He was slowing down significantly now or maybe he was passing out or finally dying. His lungs burned for air and his skin burned from the goo. He felt like he was stopping. Everything was finally going to stop. A gigantic pop and a splash shocked him back to consciousness. He sat on wet, smoldering dirt, gulped hot, acrid air. 
He coughed, spitting goo from his lips and gathered himself. He was alive. Some kind of giant jelly cube had broken his fall and paid for it. Though it left him covered in stinging goo, the burning wasn't as bad as it was when he was engulfed. Tim nodded thanks to the thing as he stood and looked around. His surroundings were bleak. Even the barest fields of Taland weren't as bleak as this place. The sky was a pale gray with purple and greenish clouds that hung more like a haze. Though it was mercifully without portals, it was day, as best Tim could tell, but only in so much as it wasn't pitch dark. Everything looked as though it were in shadow. The ground was covered in black dirt and gray stones, along with bones and detritus that must have been inside the goo. The trees, such as they were, looked more like rock sculptures at first, all gnarled and devoid of leaves. Jagged mountains rose in the far north and pale white lightning erupted across the sky above them. Tim wasn't lucky enough to get to go to the temple school, but he had seen maps the soldiers left around and heard tales from travelers and adventurers as they visited Ravenscrest. He never heard of anything like this and never imagined a place so chilling could exist in the known world. With a groan, he took a step north, toward where he guessed the bow may have landed. As long as he was alive, he may as well keep searching. Maybe next time I'm dying, I'll have earned some better thoughts. Breathing the air stung his lungs, and his lungs expanding hurt his ribs, and clutching his ribs irritated the burns on his skin, all while each step felt as though his bones may finally shatter. But better to be breathing. All right, Tim, he said aloud to himself. You can barely breathe, moving hurts. You've no food or water, and you've no idea where you are. What did Fletch say? You've got this. Tim left out the, I think, and kept walking. Tim climbed a cluster of rocks, narrowly avoiding the nastiest snake he had ever seen. When it reared back in warning, it shook a spiked rattle at the end of its tail and bared four fangs from its top jaw. Tim threw himself over the nearest rock to escape, landing back on the other side at the base of a thicket of dead trees. Bats nested in the twisted, tangled branches, but mercifully paid Tim no attention as he cautiously walked beneath them, his sword drawn. When what Tim thought was the last dead leaf clinging to a branch shuddered to life, spread wide, leathery wings, and flew through the branches scooping up bats with a pelican-like mouth, Tim couldn't help but run. Gasping for air in the strange atmosphere, Tim stopped and doubled over, clutching his side. He stood, lifting his hands over his head and looked around. Nothing but black dirt and gray rocks. All right, Tim, he panted. You got this, but maybe sit down for just a second. He sat back on a long, flat rock, his hands still over his head, and slowed his breathing. He looked up at the sky to try to orient himself. There was something about the sky that just didn't look right. Where was the sun or moon? or stars. Just looks like shadows. The rock under Tim started to shake. An earthquake? The rock started to rise, taking Tim with it, until it tipped and tossed Tim like a stallion bucking a rider. As Tim stumbled once again, he caught sight of the rock, scuttling away like some giant crab before he rolled down a hill. 
Say what you will about falling through an endless sky, at least it's a smoother ride, Tim thought, giving himself over to the absurdity of yet another fall. Dirt and gravel gave way under him, until he finally stopped on level ground, his back slamming against the ground with a thud. He had found the road. He couldn't help but smile. A laugh came out with a groan and a groan as a laugh, but then another sound cut through the air. Is that a horse? Tim listened closer. Certainly sounded like a horse, and it sounds like it's hurt. Raising to one knee, Tim made sure he could still walk and that nothing was broken, other than his entire sense of reality. And then he moved toward the sound. He came over a small ridge to see a cart made out of black wood pulled by a single beast. For what was yoked to the cart was no horse. Though it had some equine features, it looked to Tim like this creature's ancestors bred horses looking for pit bulls. Not more than ten hands high, but muscled like a bull with crimson red fur and a short, broad snout, horns like a ram. The creature was yanking a powerful leg from something stretched across the road. It was caught. The cart's driver paced nearby. They looked shorter than Tim, dressed in a heavy gray cloak. As Tim got closer, he could hear a feminine voice speaking in a language he didn't understand. Some kind of elvish, maybe. She was repeating the same thing over and over again. She's trying to cast a spell. Excuse me, Tim called out. He walked slowly toward the scene, his arms open and palms up to show he wasn't carrying any weapons, though his standard-issue talent short sword hung at his belt. Do you need some help with your... horse? The girl stopped in her tracks. She slowly turned toward Tim, her hood falling as she looked over her shoulder. Her hair was white, not like any old lady's, but like a polished ivory. She wasn't old at all, maybe even Tim's age. Except her pointed ears made that guess impossible. Her skin was a deep purple, almost black in this shadowy light, and her eyes an emerald green. A drow! Tim let out a sigh of relief. The quartermaster in Ravenscrest was a drow, and well-liked by the workers about town. Things were finally starting to look up. Then the drow screamed. Whoa, 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 it's all right. I, I don't want to hurt you, take your cart or anything. I, I'm, a, I'm good with horses and yours seems to be caught, so human! Well, yeah, I, I guess. Tim wrinkled his brow. The horse thing yanked again and snorted in pain. It looks like it stepped in some kind of barbed wire trap. Look, it's, it's just going to hurt himself if he keeps... What are you doing here? How did you get out? Out of what? The horse thing didn't look terribly hurt yet. If Tim could cut away the wire. How I got here is a long song, and I don't know all the words, to be honest with you. Now, if, if you just... He pushed past the girl and knelt next to the horse thing, approaching it so it could see him and patting it gently. Look, if there's a patrol after you, I don't want any trouble. Patrol? I, I have no idea what you're talking about, but if you could just stand over there, you're, you're blocking what little light there is in this place, and even the shadows have shadows, jeez. Tim was busy assessing the damage to the horse thing's leg. Not too bad. The girl didn't move. Wait, did you not escape from the fault of our holding pens? Tim stood and faced the girl. Miss, I fell out of the sky into some goo. I, I really don't know what you're talking about. Please, just move a little. He gently pushed her left shoulder. Thank you. The girl paused. Then her green eyes grew large and wide and gasped. 
Brightsider! What? You're Brightsider, an evil human wizard from the realm beyond come to steal riches! As begging upon, but do I look like an evil wizard? Tim raised his arms to his sides. His already meager clothing was tattered by thousands of feet of freefall and burning goo. His skin, too, was burned, and bruises were already turning yellow and purple all over his body. His lips were parched and cracked. Well, no, don't even have the pointy hat. Tim returned to working on the tangled leg. He unsheathed his standard-issue Talon Infantry short sword and pressed the emblem of the Empire on the pommel, revealing a small tab in the crossguard. Pulling on the tab, he removed a small pair of scissors. The girl knelt beside him. But that doesn't mean you're not pulling some kind of deception, Brightsider. If you're not an evil wizard, then what are you doing here? Tim started, to, Tim started to snip away the wire while muttering an old Talonese blessing Jason taught him. He didn't know what it meant, but the sounds always seemed to soothe horses. I've heard the stories. I know Brightsiders are dangerous, the girl continued. Though her tone seemed to be softening as Tim worked. Don't think I'm dangerous. Maybe that's part of why I don't seem to be very good at this. Seems fearlessness is important. Certainly a bit of madness. Maybe you do need to be a little bit dangerous for this life. Flack's dangerous. Even if he wants a good time. Savage can be dangerous without even trying. What are you talking about, Brightsider? Only a few barbs remained. The horse thing snorted, but stopped struggling. But helping, helping's part of it too, like Juno. Tim pressed the pommel again and a compartment in the handle opened with a soft click. Tim took some dried herbs from the compartment and rubbed them into the horse thing's wound. He tore his tattered shirt away and ripped it into strips. Tim tied the shirt strips around the poultices and stood. He looked to the cart. The flatbed wasn't overly full and there was room in the driver's seat for two, but she was clearly traveling alone. Wonder why... Curious, like Modron. He scratched the thick muscle neck of the horse thing. I don't know. I don't know what I am. But I do know I'm no threat to you. Just so I saw your horse thing struggling. And you looked like you were having a hard time too with your spell. I was doing just fine, thanks. With the spell, I mean. She looked down at her hands, then sighed. Turning to the disarmed trap, she said, Thank you. For helping Budo, I mean. No problem. What's this trap doing in the road, anyway? The girl turned toward the road, looking east. Probably just patrols trying to force travelers through a toll. They blame bandits, but everybody knows. Oof. Sounds criminal. The mists always get their due. A human should know that. She looked back at Tim, then... Seeing the look of confusion on his face, continued, Right, Brightsider, I, I forgot. You keep saying that. You keep saying a lot of things as though I should understand them. Look, I'm from Ravenscrest. Talon, you know Talon. The Amber Peninsula? Now you're saying things like I should understand them. Tim sighed and looked at the strange sky. Where the bloody hell had that portal sent him? Wait, of course, portals! Brightsider. When you said realm beyond, you didn't mean a neighboring kingdom. You meant another realm. Where am I? Right now, you're on the Gentor Road, not far from the Futhafar holding pens, which is not a good place for a human. 
So thank you very much for your help, but I really do need to get back. She crossed past him to the cart where she adjusted the harness on her horse thing, Budo. Oh, hang on, that, that, that's some very heavy information I just deduced. I, I am in a different realm, and, well, I need to get home. I'm sure you do, she said, pulling the ropes, holding down the canvas on the back of the cart. Yeah, so I helped you with your horse thing, sorry, Budo, and I know that drow Grant wishes. Excuse me? She threw down the ropes and wheeled around on him, standing on her tiptoes to better even their heights. We do not grant wishes. She flattened her feet and looked away. It's more complicated than that. Sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to overstep it. Where I'm from, there's a drow, Quartermaster Bree, who is in charge of getting things people need. She's kind of got a reputation. and She's always been nice to us working in the stable, and I saw you were kinfolk to her. I thought maybe you could help. Look, it's not just about getting things. It's... It's more like channeling desire and creating a tunnel through space and time to connect two points in a brief enough moment to capture the power when want and need are one. Then, again, she stared at her hands as she spoke. After a moment, she shrugged. It's easy. Tim stepped toward the cart with excitement, seeing a way home. Oh, great. You see, I'm looking for a bow. She intercepted him, cutting him off. Hang on, Brightsider. Just just because you helped me with Budo doesn't mean you just get a free finding. There are rules and um procedures. She looked away and walked slowly toward the cart. Okay, I'm from a military town. I know procedures. She turned back when he said military. Don't don't worry, I'm no soldier. I was just saying I know rules is all. What do you need? Components. Sometimes there are druids coming through the stables, driving in wild horses to trade. They'd use herbs and things for spells. Huh, kind of like the sword herbs, eh? I don't, um, I know this really powerful sorcerer who never needs components. He can do magic sometimes without even trying. Is it more like that? No, it's just... Oh, do you have a magic wand? It, it's my first adventure, okay? Her back was turned to him and facing the cart. She clutched the reins in her right hand and balled it into a fist. I can't just do the big magic. Not with components, not without it. I just can't do it. She spun on her heels and stared daggers at him with her big green eyes. Tim tried. He tried very hard, but he couldn't help but burst out laughing. What's so funny, Brightsider? Tim dropped to his knees. It's not, it's not funny. I can't do the big magic yet. I, I can't I can't go home until I do. So tell me, what's so funny? Choking down laughs, Tim managed to wheeze. You won't believe me if I told you. You should be grateful I just didn't kill you. And you're laughing at me. No, no, it's not, it's not that. It's just... He wiped away a tear. I'm on my first adventure, too. This is great. This is so great. I'm sorry. How is how is this great? Tim smiled and stood up. He grabbed the drow by her shoulders, beaming. Because now we can team up. We can be a team. He let her go and with purpose walked over to the cart. You need someone who needs something, right? Well, I can't go home until I get Fletch Stormtail's bow back. We'll work together. A party like real adventurers. 
If there's anything I learned from my time with the Heroes of Night's Pass, it's that you can't complete a quest alone. Maybe I should never have left Ravenscrest by myself. Maybe you should never have left your home by yourself. I don't know. But maybe you can tell me about it on the road, because now we have each other. He drew his sword and pointed it northeast, toward where he thought the bow may have landed. What do you say? Have room in your cart for one more? The girl looked at him. Curious boy, burned, shirtless, and extra pale save for his ever-worsening bruises, holding an old sword as though it were a king's weapon. With his face, but in his face, she saw a little fearlessness, and when he helped, he was kind. Sword, despite its age, looked sharp and ready. There was no doubt he was a little mad. She held out her hand. I'm Nessica Naharis. Welcome to the Shadowfell. What's your name? D&D&D is a Moorpark Media podcast and a Spotify preferred partner. Written and edited by me, James Gressel. D&D&D is performed by James A. Janice, Chelsea Rebecca, Beth Bradloff, and Mike Sagan. 